On this week's episode of the Players Experience Podcast, we chat with Toronto Maple Leafs arena announcer Mike Ross. We chat with Mike about his career into sports and into the NHL, what it's like to cover the Maple Leafs compared to what was the Ottawa Senators and the comparison between the two clubs and the feelings around uh, being an Ottawa kid and covering the Maple Leafs. We talk about the predictions for this year's NHL playoffs and so much more. Before we bring Mike onto the show, we, of course, would like to give credits to our production team, Jay Salty Photography and Vicmore Productions, for their work on the show each and every week with the intros and the imagery and the videos that you see for each episode. We also want to give a shout-out to 19 Marketing for the merch production for the show as well. Additional to that, guys, we have a discount code with the Hush Blankets, Jaywalk, and the Great North Apparel, so use the player's experience as you can check out to get some discounts with those great companies. And lastly, guys, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Go to YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And make sure you to subscribe and hit that like button so that you don't miss out on any exciting content each and every week as we produce more episodes talking with your favorite sport athletes, uh, sport announcers, and individuals in sport. Now, without further ado, let's get Mike onto the show and talk about his career and who he thinks is going to win the NHL playoffs this year and the Stanley Cup. All right, Mike, how's it going, man? I'm good, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time in what has been a crazy and hectic NHL schedule. Uh, how have things been throughout the this year? It's been uh, interesting because, you know, between really busy periods, there have been some long sort of lulls for us on the home front where the team goes out west. And, I mean, we just came off. Of, I think we had about a 16-day break. Uh, with the team either out west uh, playing in Edmonton and Winnipeg and Calgary and Vancouver, and then having some time off and then heading to Montreal. So yeah, the uh, the breaks have been a lot longer than than we're used to. Um, but you know, at the same time, we're just like fans. We're just thrilled that our guys are getting to play, and that uh, even though we're not necessarily uh, running a lot of consecutive home games at times. Uh, they're on the road, they're busy, and we get to watch them on TV. And the TV schedule has been fairly friendly as well for uh, you know folks in the Eastern time zones. So uh, not too many 10 o'clock Eastern starts, which has been kind of fun. No, it's been it's been great, especially when – yeah, those Eastern time zones, man, especially when they go into overtime, you're watching games until like 1 a.m. And it's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a – I would love – and it's still a dream of mine to live in Newfoundland. I'd love to buy a nice little house by the ocean and live in Newfoundland part of the year. But the sports calendar really, I mean, for those folks, is not friendly. You're, yeah. You've got, a, for example, a 7 o'clock Eastern game starting at uh, you know 8.30 Newfoundland time. So can you imagine if you're watching a Maple Leafs game, let's say they're playing in L.A. at 10 o'clock eastern that's eleven thirty eastern time never mind all the fans that i've heard from who live overseas in europe 
and they're watching games sometimes at three, three and four in the morning. So yeah, it's been nice to uh, be able to tune into some Maple Leaf games on a weeknight at six o'clock or seven o'clock, even though they're playing out West. No, for sure. And we're going to talk about the Leafs and the playoffs. Playoffs are around the corner, and it's a a very exciting time. So we're going to talk about that. But before I uh, start off every show, I'd like to start off with a segment I call Rapid Fire. So I'm going to shoot off four Rapid Fire questions at you and just spit out the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I am. All right. Favorite time of day? Afternoons, because I get to nap. Hey, who doesn't like a, love an afternoon nap? Uh, strangest thing in your fridge? Uh, olives. Because right now there are three jars of olives in my fridge. I don't like olives. My wife loves them. Uh, I can't stand them. So, yeah, that's definitely the strangest thing in my fridge. All right. What is a TV show you're currently watching outside of, obviously, when you're calling games? Uh, big fan of the Chicago series on uh, NBC yeah. and the 911 series on Fox. Uh, we love the the uh, emergency drama shows. So those yeah, are the you two. You and me ones. both, man. And it- oh, and Blue Bloods. Can't forget Blue Bloods on Friday nights. I just I just love a good cop show, yeah. and my wife loves Donnie Wahlberg. That's awesome. Fun fact: <laughs> I met Donnie Wahlberg a few years ago or more than a few years ago at like a Chum FM breakfast thing. Um, And he was there and it was really cool. Uh, And he was really down to earth. So like, it seems like he's a pretty humbling guy. Well, I got somebody upstairs who will be very jealous to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What would be another sport you would like to cover? Uh, Baseball. Um, Baseball is when it comes to sports is my first true love. Um, I mean, I, I, I played hockey a lot over my lifetime, but I didn't start playing organized hockey until I was about, I think, 13. Uh, Baseball, I played from a very young age, played uh, organized baseball from a young age, and I've coached it. I I continue to coach it to this day. Uh, I've been an official. I played it well into my my creaky knees days. Um, So, yeah. And I, and I spent a little bit of time broadcasting it and, and working uh, in media relations uh, in professional baseball. So, yeah, if I were to make a switch in careers and, and they said, you can go work in, in, another, in any other sport, baseball would be it. I love it because I'm a baseball player myself, so I get where the passion and the love for baseball is for sure. Now, at what point did you say to yourself, I want to be an NHL announcer? Um. I don't know if I ever actually said that to myself or thought that to myself. Um, Just like broadcasting, I've always just sort of enjoyed it. I've always admired people who do the job, but I never really thought of it as a career path, right? Like I never thought that could be my job someday. Um, And so I sort of fell into broadcasting when I was in university. I went to school to be a teacher. And in my first year at uh, Carleton University, found that they had a campus radio station. And just, I'd, I'd always had it, uh, a bit of a, a, an interest, if not a fascination with radio. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm here. It's a volunteer, uh, you know, position. So why not give it a try? And so I started working on a sports show that I within a year was hosting and producing and suddenly started thinking, well, 
yeah, there are jobs out there. Is this something that I want to do? And before I knew it, I mean, within a couple of years, I was working in commercial radio and the, the, the music radio station I was working at went all sports and that was it. Once I got into that and I was working on all sports radio, like I never looked back. It was sports broadcasting was my career, but for announcing being a PA announcer, um, again, I fell into it in university. The university football team needed a PA announcer. They asked me if I wanted to do it since I did the sports show on the campus radio station. So I jumped in and did it. And the next thing I knew, the Ottawa 67's junior hockey team was looking for a PA announcer. I auditioned for that. Didn't get it the first time around. Got it the second time around. And continued doing that until, you know, one day, Many years later, I got an opportunity to do some NHL games, um, you know, in Ottawa, did a few of those, really enjoyed it. And then just, you know, never, never really had those opportunities in Toronto. You know, um, I moved to Toronto in 2001 and, you know, I, there were no, there were no gigs, there were no jobs uh, to be a P announcer. And so when the uh, Maple Leafs gig opened up in 2016, I had done a little bit of work with um, uh, MLSE and Hockey Canada at the World Juniors in 2014, 2015. And because they knew me through that gig, I got a call and offered an audition for the Maple Leafs gig. But up until that point, you know, you, you, you hear the, 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 the voice of Andy Frost at the Air Canada Center Andy Frost isn't going anywhere, is he? Right? Like he was just, that's before him. It was Paul Morris. Those were just the voices that I grew up hearing uh, as the voices of the Maple Leafs. So I never even gave it one second thought that I could potentially be in that position. And, and we're going to talk about how you got to like landed it. Like, as you mentioned, you landed your job there and we're going to talk about those experiences and a couple of the favorable moments, especially going from Ottawa to Toronto and being an Ottawa kid. But in uh, 2001, you started work with Chum on a national sports radio show where you covered all sports from like NHL, CFL, NBA, and MLB. Where did the path to NHL kind of continue on for you? Um, outside of like picking those kind of careers? Um, sports. So, so I started in sports radio in Ottawa in 98. We were the second sports radio station in Canada. Uh, the only other one was the fan in Toronto. And in 2001, Chum, who owned the radio station in Ottawa, uh, decided they wanted to launch a national network. Um, and, and so I moved to Toronto at that time to be a producer and, uh, and, and reporter for the team radio network. Uh, things didn't work out. Uh, after uh, 15 months, uh, it got shut down. And um, I ended up then going and working in television at Sportsnet for a few years and didn't, didn't really intend on getting back into the radio game until I got an offer in 2005 to basically rejoin a lot of the people that I'd worked with in radio before who were now part of launching XM satellite radio in Canada. And they were heading up uh, the NHL radio channel on XM. They had a 10 year deal with the NHL and 
So I was offered an opportunity to go in there as a producer, again, a reporter. And, and that was it. I mean, that was the start of a 10-year run for me um, with NHL Radio. It started as a producer and reporter, eventually becoming a full-time host. I did the uh, afternoon drive show there. I hosted the morning show there. And that was really 10 years of covering the NHL wall-to-wall. There were no other sports to cover. And I... I found it a little bit easier to do than all sports. I mean, with all sports, you got to be the, the, the jack of all trades and master of none. You've got to have your, your, your thumb in so many different pies. And for us, that back then, boxing was still a big thing. So we, we had to cover boxing. We were covering, covering world soccer. You're covering uh, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. Um, and and it, it can be difficult. I have so much respect for the broadcasters out there who cover all of those sports at once and have, uh, you know, a a little bit or even a lot of knowledge on multiple sports. So um, I I found it a little bit easier and um, a little bit more fulfilling to be able to sort of drill down on one sport. But at the same time, we were covering at the time, uh, you know, 30 teams, 30 teams in the NHL to cover. We were not, I mean, we're based in Toronto, but we were not a Maple Leafs radio station. We were covering 30 different teams and offering coverage to fans right across North America. So it wasn't like it was a cakewalk, but that's when I sort of focused in on the National Hockey League versus being all sports. That makes sense too, because if you're going to pick, if like you want to kind of like everyone wants to expand their knowledge but if you want to really fine-tune the skills of your one sport you want to pick that sport and and do the best you can in that one area right well it was i mean it was necessity for me as well right i mean i was offered an opportunity to to switch things up and get back into broadcasting uh versus being behind the scenes i really enjoyed my time at sportsnet um I learned from some tremendous people. I, I moved up the ladder pretty quickly there. I was uh, working on highlights when I first started and then moved my way over to the assignment desk there and was really part of planning, helping plan daily shows, the daily sports shows, the daily highlight shows and assigning our reporters to different events and that was a lot of fun. And, and I got out, I got to go out to some events as well and, and cover some things, which was really a lot of fun. And, and being in television was something that was completely new to me at that time. But the opportunity to get back to radio, which was my really my first love in, in communications, um, wasn't a very hard decision. And satellite radio was so brand new. I think they only had about two years, maybe three years of experience in the U.S. And just so to be part of another startup uh, in radio was really exciting. That's great. And like sports is such a, a love story too, right? There's so many great moments of sports that we like to cover. And I'm going to ask you in a short bit your favorite one that you've been able to cover. But uh, first, let's jump to 2010 where you mentioned that you were a guest PA announcer for the Senators, you were arena announcer for the Ottawa 67s, and then in 2016, you became the public address announcer for the Leafs. Being from Ottawa and being an Ottawa kid and and going to Carleton and and living in that city to then travel down the 401 to Toronto, what was it like to cover 
the Leafs compared to Ottawa in what is one of the big rivalries in the Canadian NHL um, landscape? So the timeline for me, so 1998, I started with uh, sports radio in Ottawa, and that's when I was announcing for the 67s. Um, 1999, we won the Memorial Cup. So that my first season as a PA announcer in hockey, we won the Memorial Cup, which was just unbelievable. Um, you know, and it, 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 the fact is that was the first and only uh, championship I've ever been a part of until the world juniors in 2014, 15, where Canada wins a gold medal. And, uh, I was the announcer for that tournament. So, you know, you're talking, uh, 15 years between announcing for ch- uh, a championship, which was something else. Um, 2001, I moved to, ter- to Toronto to uh, start working for chum and immediately I'm, covering the Maple Leafs. Like I've gone from being on the Senators radio broadcasts and reporting from the Senators locker room to now being in Toronto and covering the Maple Leafs. Um, So that took a little bit of getting used to because certainly when you're working for, (laughs) for one team and, and, and let's face it back then the Maple Leafs were thumping Ottawa in the playoffs. Like the, it, for years, it was Buffalo that was the, the playoff nemesis. Then it was Toronto. So um, suddenly being on the other end of it and watching the Maple Leafs go to the Final Four was like, wow, we're, we're covering a team that is winning in the playoffs. That's, that's kind of fun. That's, that's exciting. And the other thing for me was I was now living in it. I really felt like I was finally living in a major league city, right? Being able to go to Raptor games. Blue Jays games and and knowing that I live in a city that has a major league baseball team that was thrilling for me I mean I've been to so many baseball games and even that first year uh, working for chum we were the broadcaster for Blue Jays games so we had tickets like galore I was going down to maybe a one or two ball games a week it was insane like it was so great and we lived not too far from the stadium so it was like get on the subway 20 minutes later, I'm at the stadium. I'm watching Major League Baseball live in the city now where I live. That, that was really cool. Plus, you know, you, you've got the Leafs, um, and, and it just felt like it, you were in a, in a big-time city, which was pretty thrilling for me. Um, but as far as PA announcing goes, leaving Ottawa in 2001, that was it. There were no PA jobs in the Toronto area. No, no junior hockey team looking for anybody, no minor league sports teams looking for anybody. So I just went about my life, went about my career, building my career in broadcasting. And 2010, the Olympics and Paralympics are happening in Vancouver. And Stu Schwartz, who was the uh, PA announcer for the Senators, um, he went and did some announcing at the Olympics and at the Paralympics. Well, the Olympics was no big deal because the NHL had shut down for those couple of weeks. But when the Paralympics were running, the NHL was back and the senators needed someone to fill in for Stu for three games. And the game presentation manager at the time was a guy by the name of Glenn Gower. And Glenn had hired me at the 67s back in 98, 99. So he called me up and said, hey, listen, I need somebody to fill in for Stu and do three games. It's, uh, we've got uh, the Capitals, the Flames, and the Maple Leafs coming to town. 
And uh, I was wondering if you'd be interested in being the announcer for those games. So, I mean, of course, I jumped at the opportunity. Um, being a PA announcer, albeit in a, a fill-in role, but to announce NHL games in my hometown, and one of those games, by the way, is against the Maple Leafs. Like, wow, that, that was like, I was just floored, jumped at the opportunity, did it, and kept doing it for them as a backup for another six years and probably did anywhere from two or three games a year to uh, I think maybe five or six games. I did some playoff games at times for them as well. Um, so it was just it was an opportunity to sort of stay in the game, stay in the announcing game, if you will, and, and you know have a, a really good time doing it. Um, but never really thinking I'm going to be an NHL announcer because I live in Toronto. I'm going up to Ottawa and filling in for Stu when he's, when they, he's away, when they need me. But it's not like it's a full-time gig. So it all changed for me when I did those, those World Junior Games in 2014-15. And you know, for that, I mean, it simply comes down to the fact that I picked up the phone. I called Hockey Canada and said, you know, I understand you guys always have a French announcer and an English announcer when the tournament is held in Canada. I'm bilingual, perfectly bilingual. I would love to get an audition for European announcing gig. Got the audition, got the job, end up working that tournament for Hockey Canada and MLSE. That then snowballed into a few more gigs. There were people at that tournament who heard me uh, who were involved in hiring for the Pan Am Games that were held in Toronto in 2015. Yeah. Well, that is how I got an audition for the Pan Am Games and ended up doing men and women's baseball. There was um, uh, someone there who had heard me and um, worked for uh, TFC, the soccer team in Toronto. Well, they end up getting a call from Soccer Canada. Soccer Canada and the men's national team is hosting a couple of World Cup qualifying events. They need a bilingual announcer. TFC says, well, our guy's not bilingual, but the Leafs hired a guy to do the World Juniors. We'll see if he's available. So now that snowballs into that. And, and all of a sudden, I'm starting to pick up these freelance gigs here and there. And I'm starting to feel it. And again, it, it's, it's not something that I'm thinking about as a permanent thing because these are just freelance gigs. But there are a few more happening, which is kind of neat. Gets me a little bit excited. And then in 2016, the Maple Leafs decide to make a change uh, in game presentation. They bring in a new uh, DJ. They bring in new hosts, a new anthem singer. And they decide to bring in a new PA announcer. And that's when I got a call from the Maple Leafs asking if I would be interested in auditioning for their P announcing job. Never thought I would get it, but I'll certainly take a shot at it. And uh, went, through the, uh, went through the process over about a month, month and a half. And uh, I mean, pinch me to this day. I still am pretty shocked that, uh, that I was who they decided to go with. Um, but it worked out, uh, it worked out for me, but all that coming back to the fact that I never really thought 
I'd be doing this, uh, you, know, you know, certainly in the NHL on a regular, uh, on a regular basis for an NHL team. That's incredible. And sports is such a small net community too, that like you said, it just snowballed. And when one person hears you, then the next person hears you and the next and the next guy. And, and here you are. And it's been, it's hard to believe it's been five years since 2016 yeah. and you've been rocking it. And I know I've been to a handful of leaf games in that time span. And uh, like your work's great. Like it, I get excited when I hear someone as enthusiastic as you in the rink and, and making kind of like those calls and, and getting excited when they make like when the Leafs score, like obviously everyone wants to be excited and, and everything, but just to have that kind of extra like oomph to it uh, is a bonus as well. So kudos to you, man, because you do a great job with it all. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, I, I, it was a little, it was difficult at first um, because you know, I think as sports fans, we don't we don't necessarily like change, right? We don't want our favorite player to retire. We don't want our favorite player to be traded or um, to to decide not to re-sign with the team and go somewhere else. And you know, I learned really quickly that um, people people are, are are passionate about their in-game experience. And I understand that. I mean, as someone who grew up listening to Paul Morris as the arena voice of the Maple Leafs, um, you know, it was, it, it was certainly a different time where the, I think the public address announcer back in the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s, I think was a little bit more present to the, to the television audience. Mm-hmm. Maybe less so now. Um, so I think that when they when 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 they, the Maple Leafs changed from Paul Morris to Andy Frost, I think that was jarring to a lot of people because Paul Morris had been such a huge part of their in-game experience, uh, watching games on uh, at home on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, and and Andy, when Andy took over in '99. You know, the internet was just starting. You know, you didn't have social media. So it was a little bit more difficult for people to to really opine publicly on that change and voice their opinions on that change. So at 2015 or 2016, rather, um, when I came into it, there were a lot of people who were were skeptical uh, of of me and of the change. And um, it, it, it was not easy to read some of the comments that people were making and, and in, unfortunately sometimes even even before hearing me do the job um <laughs> they were very critical of me already and it was like you haven't even heard me do a game like let let me do a game or 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 10 um but the great thing is to me all that said was that they were super passionate about the maple leafs right and they love their team. They love the experience the team gives them. And they don't, they don't want anybody messing with that experience. So, so I get it. I got it. I understood it. And I'm just thrilled that, you know, it, it's worked out uh, for me 
and hopefully for them and, and, and hopefully, you know, what you just said, which I really appreciate is, you know, the, the, the sort of the majority decision, because all I do is, is, is bring my passion to what I do. And I'm a fan, just like you are, just like everybody in Leafs nation is. I, I get upset at, at, you know, penalties called against us. I cheer goals. Um, I, you know, I get, I get angry when we lose love when we win. Um, I'm, I'm as passionate as anybody else out there. And I hope that, uh, that that's translated into how I, I do my job and, uh, that, uh, the fans get a little something out of it. 100%. The way I look at it, honestly, Mike, is you, I, I live my life by a simple phrase, piss off one, please a thousand. You're not going to, you're not going to please every single person, no matter Very how true. hard you could try. You could give them a hundred dollars and be like, just say you like me, here's a hundred bucks. And they're like, no, you suck. Right. So like, you're <laughs> not going to please everyone. So that's, that's how I live my life. And it's like, when I, uh, I work for a non-for-profit, um, there's sometimes people that question like my work or like, how are you really truly making a difference? And it's like, I, I am, if you don't see it, like, sorry, I'm not really going to plead, like a uh, plead to you to try and see my case. Right. And, and when I worked in, in at Durham college, like you did with uh, Carlton in, in the radio station, like I, I had a sport radio show and it was the same kind of thing. Like, a couple of the, like, there was one, I remember there was one of the uh, producers of the show that were, like, at first kind of questioned, like, my show, being like, is this really going to be something that gets picked up, right? And I was like, well, this is how I'm going to run it, and, like, we'll see how it goes. And sure enough, like, it was favored by a lot of people, right? And uh, and then that, that one individual was like, yeah, like, great job at the end, right? And again, it was, like, them trying to make up for not believing in, in what I was producing. Right. And so that's the, that's the method I just live by. Cause yeah. And I, and I mean, to be clear, I would say that that's probably the ratio of, of reaction that I've encountered. Right. So f- for one negative comment, there's been a thousand people that are, are right there with me. And, and my favorite thing has been, um, sort of converting some of the people who've been less satisfied. Like I had one lady one time, <laughs> she, she sent me a tweet and, and, or she named me, she added me in her tweet and it was something like, Oh, you know, this, this new guy just sucks. And, and, you know, bring back, uh, bring back Andy Frost. And, and so I sent her a message back and I said, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I'm going to work really hard extra hard in the second half of this season to try and win you over and I got a response from about 10 minutes later and she she said ah don't worry about me I'm just an old crank who doesn't like change you're doing a fine job and you know that that to me was was just was just great because again it just speaks to the passion people have for their team and and with the Leafs it, it speaks to the passion they have about everything about the team right yeah. there, there are teams out there that you could change the public address announcer and it'd be like for most people it'd be like eh, okay whatever they got a new guy announcing at the stadium or there's a new woman announcing at the stadium eh, no big deal but for for the leafs 
And for Leafs Nation, they are attached to everything about their team. Yeah. And you see that in, you know, thinking in the last few years where, you know, long standing employees with the team, some of the ushers that have been with the team for decades who unfortunately passed away. And you see the reaction that people have and, and in sharing in the grief of, uh, of family members and friends and, and colleagues. Um, it just speaks to how much this team means to not just this market, but to its fans everywhere. So that's why when you call it Leafs Nation, you, you know, you could, you could easily call it Leafs Global Nation because I have been contacted by fans literally around the globe. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just amazing to me that five, year, I'm five years into this gig um, and, and that they, they, they tapped me for it, right? Like the, the day I got that call is something I'll never, ever forget. And, and I just, I spend each day trying to really to, to, to do it justice and, and to, to do the team proud um, because I'm sure proud to be a part of it. No, definitely. And you know what? I actually worked with uh, worked with MLSE back from 2009 to 2013 as uh, gate staff. So when you were mentioning about how uh, how attached people are are to the team and and to the people around that team, I just want to give a shout out to the late great Andy Mastoris, who is mm-hmm. one of the fantastic gate staff um, members there, and and I got to work with him, and it, it was truly like it humbling to see how many people will come up to him and and really just chat with him and be like hey what'd you think of that game or like no when's this guy gonna get traded and like just having talks with him and and he took the time to talk with every single person it's my favorite thing my favorite thing about going to the rink these days is we have to go in at gate one and there's a door uh that has uh, an inscription honoring him um and and that was his door right and so be being able to go through that and see his name every time i go to the rink um it's just it's just nice to sort of you know wink or or a little uh you know tip of the cap uh and uh and it's just a great example of how the organization and their fans honor um these long-standing members of the team because that's what they are exactly now the playoffs are set to start in about a week or so or in a few days. With the way that the divisions are set, how do you think Toronto is going to fare against the other Canadian teams and then ultimately a team in the U.S., hopefully in the cup finals? Well, I mean, you look at the season that the Maple Leafs have had and, and being in, in first place and, and how they've handled the, the the their their Canadian foes here. It's been remarkable to watch. It's been so much fun. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who were questioning the whole divisional setup. I just think the NHL was facing um, a near impossible task yeah. in having to deal with teams on 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 this on one side or on either side of a border where even within one country being Canada, the, the, the rules around putting on professional sports differed in every jurisdiction. So 
to manage to get everybody to the table and put together the protocols that they did and pull off the bubble the way they did last summer and then go back and do it all again, this time with teams actually traveling from city to city and keeping it interesting has been a lot of fun. Now, we also have to sort of recognize the performances that we've seen throughout the division this year, right? I mean, there have been some amazing, amazing players to watch night in and night out. What I'm very curious about seeing is the matchups you're going to get once you're in the final four, because you will not necessarily have the East, East, West, West. You could have a team from the East playing a team from the West or this, you know, sort of central, if you will, in the final four rather than only in the Stanley Cup final. And, and when I was in NHL radio for many years, I was a proponent of a one through 16 playoff setup where you could potentially have the New York Rangers playing the LA Kings in round one of the playoffs. Like I, I would love to see that. Never mind the geography, just set it up one through 16. Now, Geography is where, you know, critics of that, of that system or, or, or that playoff system, that was the first complaint they'd make. Well, you can't really have a team from the East Coast traveling all the way to the West Coast in the first round. It's going to kill the players. The travel is going to be terrible. And I just thought to myself, then make the playoffs work in a way that you accommodate for that. So if you have the Rangers playing the Kings in round one, then allow for two days between the, 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 the geographical shift. So instead of one travel day, have two. Let them travel on the first day. Let them get climatized to the time change and being in the new city on that extra, on that second day. Yeah. And then play your games. Like there, to me, there's just there's there's so much good hockey being played that instead of having three games on in a night where I, as a hockey fan, can only watch two if they're back to back, and I'm going to miss out on mo- most of that third, spread it out a little bit, and and I just think it opens up the door to so many new possibilities as far as matchups go, and maybe creating some new rivalries. Um, but it just, it never caught on. And, and you know, it got poo-pooed by, by pretty much every hockey person I would talk to or, or people inside, inside the game, inside the NHL. Um, so that, that, that's something I'm kind of looking forward to here and, and wondering what those matchups are going to be once we get to the final four. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, who is your prediction to win the cup this year? Whoever wins that final game, uh, that fourth game in the Stanley Cup final will be your Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> love it, love it. Now, you've covered a lot of games throughout your announcing career. Is there one game that stands out as your most favorable to announce at? Um, wow. <sighs> there have been some, there have been a few. Um, but I would have to say that there's it's pretty much a tie for me. Um, my first opening night, um, with the, uh, with the Maple Leafs taking on the Boston Bruins. And it was a night where 
we had a ceremony where all the honored numbers from the uh, history of the Maple Leafs, because at least at that point only had two retired jerseys. And on that night, they retired all of those honored numbers and retired Dave Keon's number. That was, that was massive. That being my first home opener, um, that ceremony was almost 30 minutes, maybe 29 minutes and change. So that was 29 pressure-packed minutes of me talking, introducing all these players, their bios, et cetera. Um, and that was my, that was my first, um, that was my first home, uh, home game, my first home opener. And so the pressure that I felt coming with that, like the nerves were unreal. Um, I think to, I think to a degree, I might've just been maybe too scared to be scared or too nervous to be nervous. Right. Um, but that was massive. It was such a huge historical moment in the history of the team. Never mind that it was my first one. Um, so that was pretty, uh, that was outstanding. And certainly, you know, the outdoor game against uh, the Red Wings, the Centennial Classic, yeah. um, just the, the, the whole energy, the whole vibe of that weekend, 40,000 plus fans, um, the, 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 the entertainment that was part of that game. I mean, I, I remember getting home that night and saying to my wife, I, I introduced um, the Maple Leafs. I introduced the Red Wings. I introduced the commissioner of the league. I introduced Wayne Gretzky and I introduced Brian Adams for a Canadian kid. I mean, how does it get any better than that? Like that's, that's a career for some people who, uh, who get into announcing. So, um, and the fact that we, we get the win, Austin scores the goal in, in, in OT, we get the win. Um, yeah, that one, that one certainly stands out, to, uh, for me. So, so yeah, for now I'll, I'll bookend it with that. My, uh, my first opening night with that massive, uh, number retiring uh, ceremony and the, the outdoor classic and the centennial classic. That's fantastic. Yeah, that whole Centennial Classic weekend was great. I was there for the alumni game. And it was it was freezing, but you know what? For a great reason, it was awesome to see and they did a really good job with that. And and you almost and you almost got a true honest real fight in an alumni game <laughs> yeah. between Chris Draper and Gary Roberts. Like we all wondered was was that for reals? Did that just really happen with with these guys serious? And then to hear them talk about a post game and say, yeah, yeah, the, the dislike is deep and it was definitely for real. Um, we were, we were like, wow, fireworks on day one of the weekend. Um, yeah. So it boded, it boded well for the rest of the weekend to, to, to come uh, with regards to outdoor hockey um, in, uh, in Toronto between those two teams. That was a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you, if I ever get to interview either of them, that's the first question. So forget, forget your career. Outdoor game, Toronto, how is that fight? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it was funny because, you know, when they, when they did their, their team photos and, and they sort of bom photobombed each other and there just seemed to be, I don't know, 
camaraderie there. And it was, it was, you, you kind of felt like, yeah, it's, it's a friendly thing. And then the game started and uh, it looked like they were taking it pretty seriously. And that the thing is with these games, when you've got guys that are so close to, you know, so um, um, soon removed from the game, guys who haven't been out and retired for a long time, they still have, like, they'll have those competitive juices forever, right? Yeah. Because they're professional athletes. That's what they do. They compete. Um, but then you throw them into a situation like that where, yeah, you know what? Those competitive juices are flowing. And I'm so used to playing against that guy and not liking that guy and that team and that sweater and suddenly it sort of starts bubbling to the top and you could kind of see yeah, the, the, there wasn't, it wasn't hitting per se, but they were rubbing each other uh, out in the corners, you know, with a little bit more uh, enthusiasm and, and, uh, and prickliness than I think you're used to seeing in some of these games where it's like, it's just shinny and, there's no hitting. It's, you know, sending people off on long breakaways and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that kicked off the weekend beautifully. And uh, you're right, the, the, the mood of the whole thing, that whole weekend from start to finish, I don't think they could have asked for, uh, for anything better. Except for giving the Red Wings one point. You know, you didn't want to really do that in, in, that, uh, in that game. You know? <laughs> Glad we won, but we didn't want to give away that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, I like to end off every show with a segment called Words of Wisdom. So what would your words of wisdom or advice be for the next generation of sports broadcasters that want to get into sport, get behind the mic, and uh, start making a career for themselves? My advice is, is twofold. Um, number one, sometimes you... Um, you have to make your own breaks. You can't just wait for a job to be posted. You can't just wait for something to come along. Um, you got to network and you got to make phone calls and you got to make connections. Um, and for me, I mean, what the Leafs gig for me all comes down to one phone call that I made in 2014 to Hockey Canada that got me the audition for the world juniors. If I don't make that phone call to hockey Canada, I don't get that gig. I don't work for MLSE. I get zero exposure to them. I don't get ex any exposure that led to the Pan Am games that uh, led to the soccer Canada gigs. Um, this is all the, all the, the jobs that I got after getting that world junior championship gig don't happen. If I don't pick up the phone and make that call, if I just sit around waiting for it to be posted, chances are it doesn't get posted. I don't see it and I don't get that opportunity. So the fact that I'm sitting here now as the fourth PA announcer in Toronto Maple Leafs history, you know, again, pinch me. Um, is because I picked up the phone in 2014 and made that call to Hockey Canada. So I look at it and say, I, I, I managed to make some good connections along the way and got some great opportunities, but it starts with the fact that I made my, that first break happen for myself 
by picking up the phone and calling Hockey Canada. The other thing I will always say is don't say no to opportunities. I know that, you know, volunteering doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody, but I go back to my early days when I was volunteering at that radio station at Carleton University or volunteering doing TV play-by-play of Central Junior Hockey League games and AAA baseball games on Rogers Community 22 in Ottawa. And that's where, that's where I learned. That's where I got the foundation. That's where I, where I really found that I had the passion to do what I do. And I didn't make a dime doing it. But I do say that I was paid handsomely in experience. So when I run into young people who say, oh, I'm not interested in doing this or that because I'm not going to get paid, you may not get money for that gig, but the experience is invaluable. And so I always say, if you get a chance to do something that you, that you think you love and that you're going to gain experience from it, jump at it. Don't say no. Uh, unless you know you feel like you're really being taken advantage of, don't say no. Get that experience because it will be absolutely invaluable to you down the line. Awesome. Incredible. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to talk about your experiences uh, into sport, talking about the Leafs and, and the way that the NHL is going to be set up for the playoffs. And it'll be, uh, it'll be definitely an interesting time to see uh, if our hometown favorites get, uh, get behind the uh, wheel and really grind it into the uh, Stanley Cup finals. Fingers crossed, but we'll see how it goes. I look forward to being there every step of the way. Go Leafs, go! Yes, sir. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. You bet.